Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. It is, as always, it's such a privilege to see all of you and just looking at you. It just, um, man, I just get so happy and I'm just grateful for you. I hope you had a, hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well. At this time, I just want to begin by asking you, if you could, let's get out our Bibles or get out a Bible app and turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 7. That's where we're at today. We're going through the book of Daniel during the summer. Last week, we ended on chapter 6, and so this week, we're picking up in chapter Seven. All right. So we're going to be looking at chapter seven today. Now, the book of Daniel is um, it's twelve chapters long. The book of Daniel is twelve chapter chapters long, and so um, we're coming to chapter seven, which is well, if you can do the math, it's really the, the the second portion of the book of Daniel. And now, most of us, most people, most Christians are exceedingly familiar with um, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, because it's the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. They're mainly historical in nature, and that's where we get all these great stories, you know, of Daniel in the lion's den and the fiery furnace and, and all those wonderful stories. And, and in those first six chapters, you got history, and then you have just a little bit of prediction. But now you get into chapter 7 and the last half of the book of Daniel, and there's kind of a shift in the whole book because now it's mainly going to be predictive in nature, and there's not going to be as much of a history, less, less historical events. And so most people are familiar with the first six. We're not so familiar with the last six. Those last six chapters that we're going to be looking at, they're more difficult to understand. And you can debate a lot of them, right? They're signs, they're symbols, and and people disagree about what they mean. People debate. People get mad. It's really can be kind of, I don't know, it's me, not so fun. So, so what we do is we, we, tend to st- we, we tend not to look at the last six chapters of the book of Daniel because they're difficult and maybe they're hard to understand. But I believe, and I think we all believe, that God put those six chapters in the book of Daniel because there's things contained in those six chapters that God wants us to know. There's things in those chapters that God has said about himself, about reality, about truth. He says, I want my people to know these things. It's always been curious to me that some of us, some Christians, are prone to steer away from the more difficult passages as though we are a people who take a path of least resistance. No, we do hard things. And I'm just going to let you know these last six chapters, we're going to begin through them. There's some hard things. There's some hard things in them, all right? Daniel chapter 7, let's talk about it briefly. It is pure prophecy, right? It's really just pure prophecy, right? It's going to sweep, we're going to look at it today, it's going to sweep from the time of Daniel all the way to the return of Christ and all the great errors in between. It's a 
It's just an extraordinary chapter of prophecy. It is, I would say this, I would say this, Daniel chapter 7 is the most comprehensive, pervasive, panoramic, prophetic book found in all scripture, well, I mean, contained in one chapter. It's all just in this one chapter, all right? And not only that, it sets up the preceding chapters. You got chapter 7, it's this grand view, and then the following chapters, we'll be looking at them they kind of build upon or look in detail upon of what chapter 7 kind of builds up for us. All right, so that's what we're going to be doing today, Daniel chapter 7. Now, before we get into it, I do want to um, briefly share with you what my goal is, what my aim is, because there's a lot going on in this chapter. My goal and my aim in this chapter is to look at the big picture. I don't want us to get lost in the details, all right? I'll just let you know, there's, we're going to be going through some things today, and there's some details in here that I don't really know or understand, right? And there's other portions of it where there's some really godly, smart, good people who debate upon what it means. And these guys are smarter than me, and they're more godly than me, and I'm not even going to wade into all these debates, because here's the thing. We can still get the big picture. We can get the big picture. We don't want to miss the big picture. I mean, maybe in your free time, if you want to go on some blog or something and debate some people about some finer points of Daniel chapter 7, you know, be gracious, have fun with it. But, but today, we're not going to do that. Today, I want us to get the big picture, and, and, and no one debates the big picture. The big picture is not debatable because it's truth, all right? So let's get into it. It's just big picture, all right? All right, let's get into it. Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, man. I don't know, some of you guys, I remember last week when we, when we ended Daniel chapter 6, some um, um, young guy um, um, who's in seminary, he came up to me and he started asking me, I can't wait to get in Daniel chapter 7. And he started asking me all these specific details about my specific beliefs on specific signs and symbols. And I'm like, brother, you're way ahead of me, man. Come back next week. He's not in this service, so don't worry. Um, he's a good guy. Let's go. First thing, Daniel chapter 7. First thing we're going to see is this. The apparent power and depravity of world empires. All right, that's what we're going to begin seeing. Let me read. Um, if you're new here, I'm just going to let you know um, we're reading the whole chapter. We're going to go verse by verse, word by word, verse chapter 1. I mean, chapter 7, verse 1. Here we go. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Pause. Let's talk about it. We're given the time period here. When chapter 7 opens up, we're told, and it's interesting, that King Belshazzar is on the throne, all right? So chapter 7 is actually going back in time because this actually happened prior to chapter 6 historically, all right? Belshazzar is before, so it's kind of running parallel, but this is the prophetic par portion, all right? Nebuchadnezzar, he's been dead for several years and if you remember, if you've been with us, um, after Nebuchadnezzar died, there was a series of kings who were godless and ineffective. Finally, his grandson, Belshazzar, is on the throne, and he is go he's a godless man. He's a godless man. And the time period for God's people is it's dark. All right? It's a bleak time. That's what it's telling us. It's a bleak, bleak time for God's people in Babylon. That's the setup right here. And it's interesting, this is not lost on me, I want you to hear this. It's interesting 
that when things seem to be darkest, at least in my life, and I think we're going to see this in your own life, when things seem to be darkest, it is at those times that God seems to be, oh, closer. I don't know. Like, like his presence, his carrying, sustaining presence is closer in dark times. At least it has been in my life, and that's Daniel. It's dark in Daniel's life, and the people of God, it's dark. And God's going to show up and be really close. Check it out, the rest of verse 1. Daniel saw a dream in this dark time and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. All right? In this very dark time, our great God speaks to Daniel. Now, there's something different going on here um, than it's happened in the first six chapters. In the first six chapters, what happened is someone else would have a vision or a prophecy. Then Daniel would be called in to interpret that dream or that vision or whatever. This is the first time we see in the book of Daniel God giving a vision or a dream to his prophet and then having his prophet uh, interpret it. And that's what's going on here. Apparently, while Daniel was asleep, God turned his dream into a revelatory vision and gave him tremendous Perspective. I'm not going to get into this, but to, I just want you to know, no, this is not like the dreams you have, all right? This is not like the dreams you have, all right? This is altogether different. And notice at the end of verse 1, oh, this is interesting. At the end of verse 1, he has this dream, he has this vision, and we're told he writes it down and he told the sum of it, okay? So 2,500 years ago, Daniel has this vision, then he writes it down, and we got it. All right, he had the vision, he writes it down, and we got it. All right, here's what he says, verse 2. This is what went down. Daniel declared, all right, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, okay, guys, let's get our seatbelts on. It's going about, I don't know, if you never read this, there's some crazy stuff about to go down. If you have read it, then you know, crazy stuff about to go down. All right, here's what he saw. The four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. So what, 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 what's going on here? What, what's, what's the point? What's the point? What are, we, what are we to get out of this? Just real quickly, the picture here is of universal chaos. That's what we got here on this great sea being stirred up. The, the picture is this world where we live right now, it is just chaotic. It is uncontrollable. There are just great things being stirred up. There's political forces beyond our control, beyond Daniel's control, that is just stirring things up. But, well, pause, we're going we're to see this. It's over and over in this chapter. But notice it says, it says, what is this? what's the word there? The four winds of heaven. Interesting. So, so you got this chaos going on in the world. That's the picture there. You mean the picture that you got this chaos going on, but we're told that God is sovereign and above all of it. He's sitting there. Daniel's, I mean, it's a dark time. We got all these things going. He's got this vision, chaos. Man, on this earth at this time in the world, man, it's chaos. God's sovereign. That's the picture. That's the picture. We're going to keep moving. I'm going to read, I'm just going to read this stuff, man. Daniel had the vision. Daniel woke up. He wrote this stuff down. He told people. Here's what he says. I'm just, <laughs> just going to read it, man. Verse 3. And four great beasts came up out of the sea. That's that chaotic sea. Different from one another. 
So you got four different beasts. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. Verse 5. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After that I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong, it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all of the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came from among them another horn, a little one. Behold, which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things." Paul, let's talk about this. I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Lord saved me, I remember, and I'm reading the Bible, and you come to stuff like this, you know, like, I don't know about this stuff, man, because it's crazy. I mean, it seems crazy. I mean, I don't understand. You got four beasts, and all four of them are they're terrifying, coming out of this chaos. So the question I always ask myself, what does this mean? What am I to get out of this? What does this mean? Okay? So this is where I get to be as honest as I can be. I don't know what all of this means, all right? I, I don't. I, I, know. <laughs> okay. I know there's some guys who have all this tied up and have it worked out properly. Um, it just so happens I'm not one of those guys. I, I'm not. Um, I'm just going to... I, I got to tell you guys this. I think it's only fair to you... Um, after seminary, I remember, of course, you take all the classes and, of course, and then I'm preaching and all of this stuff. And I remember, I, remember, I just got to share this with you. I remember I, I, wanted, to, I, wanted, I wanted to make sure that I'm, I want to preach as well as I can. I want to proclaim as well as I can, all right? And so um, there's this preaching guru, and I'm talk, I talk to the preaching guru, and I go, man, dude, dude, listen, can you listen to my sermons and let me know if there's some ticks I have or some things that I do that I should stop or do better so I'd be a better communicator of God's word? Okay, not making this stuff up, okay? This, I'm just going to tell you. I'm not making this stuff up. Um, he listened to my sermons. He loved them, I guess, more or less. It doesn't matter. He goes, I got, I got two words of advice for you, Travis. Here's the two words. First word was this. He goes, Travis, listen. You, you see this pack I have in my back pocket, my mic pack? I used to keep it right here. He says, first thing you need to do is move it to the back because it distracts people when it's on your side. And I'm like, well, that's kind of goofy, but if it's distracting, I didn't do a survey if it distracted you guys or not, but maybe I was, okay, I can do that, all right? Second thing he said was, he goes this, he goes, listen, Travis, listen, here's what you need to do, listen, listen. If you don't know something, don't tell your congregation you don't know it, because they don't come to church to hear you say you don't know stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't know stuff, though, dude. I, there's stuff I don't know. So I know, you know, I know right? Here's the deal, though. So this is my disclaimer. Maybe you already know this. But if it is paramount to you to be attending a church where the pastor knows absolutely everything in the Bible, then perhaps this is not the service that you want to be in because I don't know everything. We can read together and be gracious, but I don't, I don't know what all this means. But I do know 
that we can land on the big picture. We can. We absolutely can. We can do it graciously and lovingly, and it's going to teach us, all right? So the big picture, you got these four beasts. Who are they? What are they, okay? Once again, great debate about who they are or what they are, but I want to just give you the most straightforward understanding. If I do not land on your particular understanding, that's okay because it doesn't affect the big picture, all right? First beast represents Babylon. I could tell you many reasons why it does, the lion and the eagle, but that's that Babylon. The second beast, the bear, that represents the Mede-Persian Empire. It followed Babylon. Third beast, leopard, it seems to be Greece. There's a lot of details we could get into as to why it is Greece, but we're not going to do that. The fourth, fourth beast seems to be Rome. Now, there's some great debates about that. Now, I will say this. We'll talk about this in a moment. It does appear that the fourth beast, different than the other beast, both represent ancient Rome and a future Rome-like empire led by the Antichrist. All right. Once again, we're not taking votes on this. Once again, it's not to debate. All right. My aim is the big picture. And the big picture is this. Those four kingdoms represent the kingdom of men. That's what they represent. I don't care who they are. That's who they represent. And they represent man trying to be sovereign and controlling all things. And these empires are in direct conflict with the kingdom of God. That's the point. All right? That's the point. You, 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 can, you can argue about what that means. That's the point. You got these, it's chaos. You got the kingdom of men, and it's opposed to the kingdom of God. And notice the beast. We don't debate this stuff. They're wicked and they're brutal. Like, like Daniel sees them. Well, this is what's so weird. Daniel sees them, and he's like, oh my. These things are so evil. They're so brutal. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, really, Daniel? Because remember, Daniel's living in a godless kind of government. It is godless. And they're, they're throwing people in the lion's den. They're burning people in the furnaces. But Daniel sees these four kingdoms and he goes, the wickedness, the brutality is beyond the scope of anything I have seen. That's what we got here. That's the opening, right? It's the picture of earth. It's us. It's these kingdoms. It's chaotic. It's chaos. It's evil. It's brutal. It's altogether ugly. Boom. That's what we got. But it doesn't stop there. We're going to get to a second part of the vision. Here's what's happening. He just gave a picture. He gave a picture of earth. Now his vision is going to turn towards the throne room of heaven. We get to verse 9, and now we're going to see the actual sovereignty and righteousness of God. This is this vision. Dude, these kingdoms, these people, they, they don't think they own everything. They don't think they ruin everything. They don't think they all that. Daniel says, no, nah, man, let's go to the throne room of God. Let's see who is in control. All right? Kind of a contrast here. Verse 9, as I looked, so he's changing directions. Thrones were placed, oh man, it's the throne room of God, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Chaos down here, Ancient of Days taking his seat. Notice God is called the Ancient of Days. Once again, in contrast, man, you, just, you see all these, these four beasts, they're just, well, they're just beasts and they're all this trying to succeed and beat each other and all this stuff. 
I'm going to be the top dog. No. The ancient of days. He's before all that. He's above all that. He is mightier than all that. That's why it's called the ancient of days. And even those, these beasts, they appear to be terrifying. When you look at the God, the ancient of days, you're like, oh, man, you got nothing to be worried about. Notice the ancient of days. Oh, look where he's at. He's on his throne. He's seated. It's calm. No chaos. Right? Calm. That's the picture. Keep going. Verse 9. Check it out. Daniel, Daniel about, this is what I love. Daniel's looking at the throne of God, and he's going to try to describe God to us. I don't, I don't know, man. Um, it's, it's cool. Daniel, Daniel, what does God look like? Check it out. Here he goes. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels burning alive. A lot of things going on around there, but I want us to notice what God is described like, right? It says, what, his clothing is white as snow. Now, now contrast that to, he just saw these kingdom of men. They're evil, they're dirty, they're mean, they're wicked, they're all these things. You look at God in his throne room, sitting on his throne, and what is his clothes like? They're white as snow, right? Right as snow. Look, his head is like pure wool, right? He is pure. He, God is completely righteous. In him there is no sin or even a shadow of it, and he is completely pure. So the throne room, right now, right now, I know, dude, I know, I understand. We got a lot of stuff going on. We got anxiety. We, got, we know what's going on, right? It's chaos out here. It's chaos. It's chaos. It's chaos. The picture of God's throne room right now, God is sitting on it. It's calm, and he's got everything under control. He is seated down. He reigns, and he has complete authority. That is what Daniel was meant to see in his dark hour. That, my friend, is what we're meant to see in our dark hour, any, any hour, really, right? What a comfort. God is on his throne. Thomas, oh, man. Oh, is there injustice around us? Yes. Is there wickedness around us? Oh, yeah. Godlessness? Yeah, there is. But I just got to look at what Daniel saw. My God's on the throne. Complete control. Now, that doesn't mean we just throw our hands up in the air and say, well, it's bad down here. Not going to worry about it. No, we get involved. Like, like, we want to tell people about Jesus, and, and we want to fight injustice. We do. But we don't despair because he's on the throne. That's what we're meant to see. Keep going. Verse 10. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. Oh, church. This is perhaps one of the sweetest things in this whole vision. Check this out. A thousand thousand served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. I love that picture. Hey, Christian, you ever feel like you're standing alone? You feel like everybody's against you? Right? You ever feel that way? Everybody at work, school? Daniel felt that way. You remember Daniel had to stand countless times against everybody. But now he's in God's throne room. He looks around. 
There's thousands worshiping. Daniel, you're not alone. Many came before you. Many will come after you. And in the throne room of God, Christians are not the minority. That's all that's there, man. So yeah, 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 this is comforting. Yeah, 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 yeah. You may and you will and we do stand alone at times now. I get it. Every one of you, I believe, could come up to me and tell me a time of how you've stood alone in your place of work or how you stood alone at school or how you stood alone on all sorts of occasions. But know this, the picture here is there's a day coming. There's a time in God's throne room. We're not going to stand alone. We're going to be with the multitude of the redeemed and we're going to worship Jesus. What a beautiful, tender picture in that dark hour that Daniel's getting. God is sovereign. You're not alone. Church, God's sovereign. You're not alone. Get to verse 10. More picture. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. Once again, this is a courtroom. It's a judgment day. God is in control and God's going to judge the whole world. So I got to pause here. We're about to get to verse 11 and 12, but let's keep setting this up. All right. We just saw chaos, the kingdom of men. Then his vision shifted to the throne room of God and how amazing it is. Now the vision's going to shift back to the kingdom of men. Look at this. He's shifting back. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. As I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. And for the reasons... And for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Once again, not going to get into the details here. What's the big picture here? The big picture is with the greatest of ease, the ancient of days wiped them away. We're not even given like a big battle scene. Like you see at the end of some movies or some huge battle scene between good and evil, that don't exist. The ancient of days says... It's over, and it's over. Those beasts could no more stop the hand of God than an ant can stop an elephant when it steps on it. They've got, there's no battle here. God says, God does, and people tremble because he's God. That's what's happened. Now we get to verse 13 and 14, okay? We started looking at the kingdoms of earth. We shift to the kingdom of God. We look down. God took care of it all. Now, verse 13 and 14, we're going to see the introduction of my Savior, Jesus, my hope of glory. And it's a beautiful picture. Verse 13. I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. That's Jesus, God the Son. And he came to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was presented before him, and to him was given. We're talking about Jesus here, people. We're talking about Jesus here. Look what he'd be given. Dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and language should serve him. Check him out. His dominion is what? An everlasting dominion which shall not what pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Boom. That's Jesus. That's our Jesus. That's our Savior. It's beautiful. You got a picture of the chaos. You got a picture of the throne room. You got a picture of these chaos being boom. And you got the picture of our Jesus on the throne getting his kingdom. It's amazing. What does that mean to you and I? A lot. Big picture. Big picture. Big picture. Big picture. 
Jesus on the throne. That's the big picture, right? Now, hey, hey, we know that. We look back. We know that because we look back in time, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know he owned his throne. Right now, we got Daniel. He's looking forward to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing, 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 amazing vision. Church, let me tell you something. My entire theology can be put into four words. Jesus died for me, right? And he's on the throne. There's great joy in that. Great joy in that. I don't know, man. I guess, Mike, I'm sorry, but I'm sitting here, and I know your mother just passed away this last week. And I'm sitting there worshiping beside you, and I saw you, while we worshiping, you lifting your hands up. You praising God. How can a man do that? How? Because you're saved. God the Spirit indwells you. And you know this ain't the end. And I'm sorry to bring you up, man, but it's the truth. It's the truth. There's a lot going on out there. But God is sovereign. Christ died on the cross in my place for my sin. It's not over, man. He's so good. Now we get to verse 15, and we're going to see the abiding eternal kingdom. A lot's going on. There's been, we're going from the very beginning to the very end. The big swash of history just came up. Check this out. Now we're going to see Daniel's going to speak about his own personal feelings. Check it out. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. Now, here's my question when I read that. Why? Why? No, no, Daniel, why are you alarmed? Because when I read this, it looks like the beast, they done been killed. Jesus on his throne. Why, 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 why are you alarmed, okay? We'll get to that. We're going to get to that because it's a good question. Why are you alarmed, Daniel? Verse 16, he says, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all of this. So he told me, and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Once again, very similar to a scene that we see in Revelation, the book of Revelation, the Apostle John. We're not going to compare and contrast those. That's a great study in itself. But keep going. Verse 17. These four beasts are, he's interpreting it. These four beasts are four kingdoms who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints, that's the redeemed, those whom God hath saved of the Most High, shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Once again, I'm like, that's good. I like that. Okay, that's, that's good. But it, it doesn't stop there. Daniel's going to push in. He's I want to know more. Look, all right, verse 19. Then I desired to know the truth about the four beasts. Daniel's like, well, us, really. He's like, man, I want more. I'll give me some more. Give me some more information, which was different from all the rest. All right? That's the fourth beast. I want some more information. He says he's exceedingly terrifying with his teeth of iron and claws of bronze in which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell. The horn that had eyes and had a mouth that spoke great things, right? And that seemed great, greater than its companion. I mean, Daniel's like, what, what, that's weird, dude. What does that mean? That's what he's saying. Give me some, what does that mean? 
Verse 21, as I looked, this horn made war with the saints. That's God's children. That's those whom had saved and prevailed over them. Oh, wait, wait. Now, this is where I get, I used to start, wait a minute, wait a minute. Prevailed over God's, 22, until the ancient of days came. So you're seeing some conflict here. And judgment was given for the saints of the most high and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Okay, 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 okay. So there was, some, there was some conflict, okay, but then they possessed the kingdom. There's a lot going on here, right? Now, we're talking about the fourth beast here. Once again, the prevailing, prevailing view is it represents both ancient Rome and a future Rome-like empire led by the Antichrist. But that's, that's, we're not going to get into the detail. We, we, man, you can talk about it all day long. Right, Big picture, keep reading, keep reading. Big picture, verse 23. Thus he said, all right, now he's going to tell it. He's going to tell it. Going, the interesting thing, he tells me, he tells Daniel, he tells us what all this means. And I still like, huh? I don't know, man, but it's because what he says. As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and others shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down the three kings. Verse 25, he shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hands for a time. That's God's people. Times and half a time. I don't know. Verse 26. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. I don't, what does all that mean? I don't know. I, I don't know what it all means. I do know there's some things in there that concern me. But the main point is the kingdom of men that we're talking about, this fourth kingdom... It will be consumed and destroyed in the end. The big picture is God is victorious. Let me read verse 27 and 28. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole earth shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. That's believers, Christians. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, praise God. And all the dominions, the dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. Here we go. Check this out. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Okay. All right. I want to talk about that. I'm going to try to wrap up a few practical points. Daniel, why are you troubled? Why is your color changing? Now, I didn't understand everything that was said and revealed there. Daniel understood it on a level that I don't understand it, and that's okay. Praise God. But in his understanding of that, his color changed, and he got alarmed, right? And he's, got, he's, he's, he's just in a bad place. And the question is, is why? 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 I believe the answer is Daniel is trouble, troubled because we see here that God does have a plan for a kingdom that will extend around the whole world it's going to bring men and women from every tribe, every tongue, every nation to worship the living God. That is a glorious thing. 
That is a thing we celebrate, and my friend, that is a thing that we anticipate with great... We're eager for that. When people sit there and say, God may come tomorrow, they're scared. I'm like, I hope so. Daniel's troubled because in that vision, and I know you called it, we see it's going to involve this coming kingdom, the kingdom of God, some incredible suffering on the part of God's people. You need not look too far in history in the past to see this. Daniel's heart is broken. It's broken for people he does not know. He'll never know until they get to heaven. He's moved by it. He's troubled by it. That God's people are going to suffer. I'm not talking about, well, we won't get into all of that. But he needs... All the encouragement he can get, and, 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 and guys, we do too. We do too. We do too. The dark time then, and things seem dark today, and we need encouragement. Three quick, practical things to take home with you from this massive vision. Here it is, real quickly. First, the people of God must never be naive about the strength and reality of evil in this fallen world. There are forces of wickedness that seek to harm and destroy. Second, we must remember that the kingdom of God, we must remember that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of suffering in the here and now. On this side of heaven, we we suffer. These flesh, we suffer. We suffer. Things are against us. My body is against me, and we, we suffer. We can't forget that there are struggles Finally, we must always remember that our gaze must penetrate beyond history and into the throne room of God. Events of this week, last week, don't let your vision stop there because that's not the final say. Let your vision go to where Daniel's vision went, to the throne room. It's calm. God's seated. He's in control. We must not be overwhelmed by all of this. Pray, be faithful, worship Jesus. Sometimes, you know what, sometimes he's all you got, but I guarantee you this, he is all you need. And so that's the grand vision. We're not done yet, we're going to keep going. That's the grand panoramic vision. We're going to get into specifics coming up. But I hope this encourages you. I do. It encouraged Daniel. Let's pray. Father God, This was a tremendous vision that you gave to Daniel. And though I do not know all the details and the specifics, it is very clear that you are sovereign, that you are good, and you have not abdicated your throne. I pray that we as a people would remember that, that we would rest in that, and that we would worship you in and through all of this. And we ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. 
We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.